Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Hello everybody and welcome to a fantastic edition of 1875 Podcast Meets and the player that we're going to meet today played a very special role in a very special season for a lot of Rovers fans. He played in every single game of the promotion season in, in 2000. He also had a big part to play in the Worthington Cup success the following year before moving on to a career that spanned across the globe. He played for Nottingham Forest. He also he came through at Manchester United. If you haven't guessed who I'm talking about, he is, of course, the fantastic and gentlemanly John Curtis. I hope you enjoy the interview. Um, it lasted about, around about 45 minutes, so um, lots of interesting stories and information about his career. So, um, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. I think a lot of Rovers fans will be interested to hear your perspective on some of the things that happened um, at your time at Ewood, but also kind of about your career as well. Um, can we just start with asking, I know a lot of Rovers fans won't know, um, if you're actually still active within the game or not. So are you still are you still working in football? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I coach, I, I run a an organisation called the National Centre of Excellence Programme, which operates across the eastern seaboard of the USA at the moment um, and is looking to grow nationally across America. Um, and it's a, a training programme for, for promising young players to help them fulfill their potential ultimately, um, give them the opportunities that I was lucky enough to have and, um, and try and help them grow as players, but also as, as young adults and um, grow as, uh, as people. Great. So they're getting the benefit of your many years of expertise then. And you said that was in the States. Are you looking to kind of stay over there? Is that a family move that you've made? Yeah, I, I moved. Uh, my, my last club was professional club was in Australia, and then I, I moved to Italy to coach for a year, and then came to America in 2013, and, and I've been here ever since. And love it, thoroughly enjoy the place. I really, I really like America. It's such a land of the free, land of opportunity. There's so many things that can be done here that are kind of more difficult to do at home, particularly within within football. Um, there's a lot more doors open to people, you know, willing to work hard and, and put the time in. And, and if you've got a background, um, which I'm fortunate enough to have, that helps as well. You know, it opens a lot of doors. I actually saw a um, a video with Greg Berhalter. Um, he was talking about the amount of data and information and the technology that goes into kind of the US setup. Is that something that you find is far more embraced over there, mainly maybe due to the NFL as well? Um, yeah, and I think analysis, um, player analysis, game analysis is is huge now, everywhere. And, and listen, there's no nowhere 
better at it than than the Premier League. You know, the Premier League is at the forefront of everything with regards to football. So, um, but like you mentioned, that America, Australia, that they have um, kind of insights and specialities that that maybe us Brits don't have. Um, the science side, in particular, the sports science side in Australia is massive. It's very similar here with all the other sports. And there's certainly a lot to be learned from American football and basketball and, and um, baseball and the other US sports as well. Um, and you can bring a bit of that to football, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so has the current situation with COVID-19 and, and all that sort of stuff affected your role at the moment? Or have you been blessedly rather free of that where you are? No, no, it's been it's been rampant. I live up in Connecticut normally. I'm down in South Carolina at the moment, but... Um, we came down here as a family, really, just to, to get away from it up there. It was um, very prevalent, and we were cl- quite close to New York, which was the epicenter of yeah. COVID-19 in the state. So we wanted to get, to get away from it. So we came down to South Carolina, and ironically, it's actually it's growing quite a lot here, which is which is pretty bad. So hopefully they get a good group, but we're just staying out of the way and um, trying to keep everybody safe. Yeah, exactly, as long as everyone's safe and you can kind of look after your own, then that's all we can do, I suppose, in this situation. Um, so let's bring it back around to kind of the start, really. Um, we, as we know, as Rovers fans, you came to us from Manchester United and you had a, a youth career there. I, can you talk to us about what it was like to be a young Man United player in the in the 90s? It must have been quite an, quite an eye-opening experience for you. It was, but you, don't, you know what? You didn't realise it because... You thought it was normal. You yeah. thought it was normal to win the Premier League every year and the FA Cup and the double and the treble and all kinds of things like that. You, it's only when you actually look back on it um, with retrospect that you actually realise how much of a special time that was, um, how fortunate I was to be able to come through that system um, and benefit from you know, everything that that system had to offer. I was only on the periphery really with the with the first team at United didn't play many games at 19 games um, but I was fortunate enough to work with and um, you know make friends with some of the, the the greatest football players who've ever lived you know and work with some of the greatest coaches that have ever lived so that's an amazing thing to, to look back on um, and like I said when you're 16 17 18 you definitely don't realize it and, and to be honest it was only after I retired from playing that you that you really can look back on things and say, "Wow, you know that was that was an amazing time for me as a as a player and as a person." And was it you won the FA Youth Cup whilst you were with United as well? Was that nineteen ninety five that you won that? Yes. Yeah, and the, yeah. so you, I have to bring this up. Obviously, as a Rovers fan, you know. United didn't win the Premier League that year. That went to a very special club, I believe. But you guys won in the, the 1995 uh, FA Youth Cup. Did that feel big to you at the time? Because obviously the class of 92 had, had gone and done their thing. Did, who were you kind of yeah. with in that in that age group? And did you feel like as a group you, you would manage to achieve something really important there? Yeah, absolutely. Manchester United as a club, I think everybody knows this, pride themselves on developing young players and, and having young players in the first team homegrown players um, and a big emphasis is, is, is put on the success of the youth teams not necessarily from winning like I said they're more about getting players into the first team but you there's a history of it there's a tradition of it at Manchester United and, and playing for Manchester United anyway you feel a little bit of pressure but um, 
playing in, in the biggest stage in youth football um, probably is, isn't it? In the uh, domestic game, certainly. It's um, it's it's a pressurising experience for a young kid. I hadn't left school at the time. You know, I was probably the youngest player on the team. Um, so it was a fantastic experience for me as the, as the youngster in the group. Yeah, and who else was in that team at the time? Richie Wellens, was um, he in there? Or? No, no, no. Richie um, yeah. is the same age as me. The year that we won it, it was people like Phil Neville, Terry Cook, yeah. um, uh, Ashley Westwood. Um, I'm just trying to think. Quite a few um, still came through there and had very, well, exceptional careers, really, as professional footballers. I'm sure if you asked Ashley Westwood, you know, he'd be very happy with his career. And obviously Phil Neville, yeah. Phil Neville did a bit. Um, so... <laughs> Um, so, yeah, no, so it was it was a it was a good group. It was always tough to follow that class of '92, but um, that was a that was a good group of good group of players. And did you feel like you had a pathway through to the youth team? You said Manchester United, obviously, all about bringing the youth players through, and you did get a, a few quite a few appearances really in the Premier League for Man United. Did you hear that you were kind of being fast tracked, or did you feel like you had a chance at making it at United? Um, it was um, um, it was always tough. It was very very difficult to to try and break through. There were there was you were always promoted um, as a young player, but the team you know you look at the, the success that the team had and the players that were in were in front of me. Yeah, Gary Neville was supposed. Yeah, and um, Gary Neville, Phil Neville, Dennis Irwin. It was always very very difficult to break into that team. Yeah. Um, but um, I enjoyed it and I, and I enjoyed um, the opportunities that I got um, and learned such a lot through, through playing with those kind of players. Absolutely. And that kind of then sets you up, I suppose, for the rest of your career. And you start by getting first team experience on loan at Barnsley, I believe. Um, That's right. Did you, were you, when you heard about this potential loan move to Barnsley, were you excited or were you you know, nervous about going into a lower division and kind of scrapping for, because I think they were going for promotion, weren't they, when you when you joined them? Yeah, I, um, no, I, I, I had stagnated at United. It was after the treble winning season. Um, and I can remember training with the, I was training with the first team then every day virtually, and I wasn't going anywhere. Um, so I went to see the, the gaffer, and the gaffer um, thankfully got me on loan I think it was literally within a week. Yeah. Um, and before I knew where I was, I was playing against Man City at Main Road um, for, for Barnsley in the Championship. And getting, getting some stick, I imagine. Did you get any stick from the City supporters? Yes. Yeah, but I, it's funny because I actually scored against City on the on the, um, the home game against City at, at Oakwell. I actually scored. <laughs> you might as well talk about that because you didn't that that many. Yeah, absolutely. But that run then, the boys, I think they got to the playoffs in that season. Um, what experience was that like? Getting, you know, the ner- was it the nerves going into the playoffs for you? Listen, the whole thing about going to Barnsley was it was such a breath of fresh air coming out of Manchester United. And again, you didn't realise it, but you got to Barnsley and it was like. Oh, this is way more relaxed. This is way more yeah. um, enjoyable. It was totally, totally different environment. Everybody got on. Everyone was friendly. Everybody, whereas at United, it wasn't that. It was just so pressurised. So um, you, you didn't, you couldn't relax. Um, everybody was on their toes all the time. 
the group was a bit clicky. Um, whereas at Barnsley, it was like everybody was chilled out, relaxed, and it was, you know, an opportunity to to really enjoy your football. Um, and I enjoyed the whole thing. That obviously disappointing at Wembley to to lose. Um, I think if Darren Barnard sticks that penalty away just before half time, it could have been different, and we we win that game against Ipswich, but it wasn't to be. Um, and um, you know the, the the good thing to come out of that really is had Barnsley gone on, um, I may well have signed for Barnsley and, and not ended up signing for Blackburn. Right, exactly. Um, you know, so I'll... they didn't get promoted, and I ended up signing for Blackburn, which was great. Yeah, so that, that's what I was going to lead on to my next question was that. Obviously, if Barnes had gone up, would you have stayed there? You kind of said, yes, that's a possibility. But now that they haven't gone up, you go back to Man United. I presume you, you realise you don't want to stay there after the experience that you've had, the exciting experience of, of playing first-team football for Barnsley. What happens there? How do you find out that Blackburn are interested? Um, were there other clubs interested? How did the whole process over that summer kind of come about? I found out that... Um... Blackburn were interested um, just probably a week or so before the playoff final. Um, so probably in the leg versus Birmingham. Before that, I think Blackburn were interested. It's funny because when Roy Hodgson was in charge, I think Blackburn approached me, well, they did approach me, someone called me when I was at United, um, probably a year, 18 months before I signed. So when Roy Hodgson, Roy Hodgson was in, in charge before Brian Kidd, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, so, um, Kiddo would have still been at United at the time. So, I'd have probably been um, maybe 19, something like that. Just just started creeping into the first team at United. Um, so, there, there's, always, there's always been a little bit of, um, you know, interest. Um, and even as a kid, I was lucky enough as a, as a kid to be a strong player. Um, and I'd been up to to Blackburn, um, you know, with um, Kenny Dalglish. Um, Kenny Dalglish actually came to my house when I was a when I was a kid, you know. So trying to trying to sign me for Blackburn at the time. And it's funny, there's a lot of links with Blackburn in my career. I I, I decided to sign for Manchester United after United won the Premier League for the first time against Blackburn at Old Trafford when Gary Palliser scored that free kick. Right. Um, I think. I think United won three one, and that was just as a as a kid. The atmosphere inside Old Trafford that day was amazing. So there's a, there's a lot of links when I look back between myself and Blackburn as a young player. Maybe always destined to to turn go. out Maybe in the blue destined. and white. So you find out that you're interested just before the playoff final. Um, do you meet Graham Sinness during the summer, and what did he say to you? He, he just called me, um, and it wasn't until. Um, we, um, um, you know, we were signing on dotted line that I uh, that I met him for the first time. But the, was was that a draw at all? With the fact that Sunes was quite a big name, we'd obviously finished eleventh in that season before that you that you went to the playoff final with Barnsley. Um, did you feel like there was that Blackburn was still a big club and they should they should be fighting for promotion and is that what kind of Sunes said to you that we need you for this extra quality at right back to, to put us in the position to go to go forward yeah I think I think Blackburn like you said had won the league only a few years before it wasn't very long ago so they were one of um, probably only three clubs at that time ever to have even won the Premier League so 
um, it was um, you know, Blackburn, uh, you know, running club anyway. But at that time, they were towards the, the top of of their. Uh, they were still riding high from the, the winning the Premier League, and they weren't at their zenith, but they were they were still close to it. Yeah. Um, so it was for me, it was very attractive. It had fantastic facilities, fantastic stadium, fantastic training ground. Um, yeah, obviously with Graham Tunis as well, um, a, a legend of a player. Um, that's always great from a from a playing perspective. Um, but um, Blackburn itself was a, was a big draw for me. So, as I said, we finished 11th in the previous season. Sunes had only just taken charge towards the back end of the year after Brian Kidd was sacked and then Tony Parks stabilised us as he always as he always did. Um, what was the feeling? So, you join up with the squad. What was the feeling within the squad kind of in pre season? Um, did you feel like this? Did, did the squad feel like they were getting ready for a promotion push even then? Was that always the goal? Oh yeah, hundred percent. It was it was always about um, it was always about promotion. It was always about the Premier League. Um, it was a little bit uneasy because they there had been a change of manager, and Brian Kidd had spent a lot of money on some um, big signings who I don't think Graham Souness wanted them all. So when there's a change of manager like that, there's always a little bit of um, a little bit of turmoil with some kind of senior professional players. Um, no longer in the um, in the in the frame for, for playing, and, and he wanted to build his own squad to get the uh, to get the club up into the back into the Premier League. Um, but yeah, that was the focus from day one. And so we, like you said, there was um, almost like a full changing of the guard as soon as kind of took over, and we, we had spent a lot of money, especially under Brian Kidd and. Um, I can, I can, I'm not asking you to name names about who um, may not have been wanted. It's obvious from what seeing the transfers that happened. Um, but let's talk about the squad, kind of as you came into it. The, it seemed to be like a, a team of almost two halves. We had a very um, experienced defensive unit. So first of all, what was it like to be kind of in that back four with those experienced players? Did you find that that was a big help to you? Yeah, no, it, it was. I, I loved playing um, with with all of them, and when Henning joined as well, that was that was great. I, you know, I loved playing alongside Henning Bird at the back. But like I said, we had Craig Short there as well. Yeah. Um, Darren Peacock was there for a time, um, and Stig obviously was uh, was in the squad as well, and was was on the other side to me. Um, so lots and lots of experience, um, and. Um, yeah, it made it very easy for a young player like me, kind of learning the game, to um, um, just to slot in there. And, and it's easy to when you're playing right back or left back because if you have a quality centre back alongside you, positionally it becomes very easy because you can take your position off him. Um, if you have if you have a centre back who goes wandering around all over the place, and I've played with a few of them mm-hmm. in my time, then it becomes way more difficult to take your position. You're taking your position off him. He may be out of position, or you're taking your position off, you know, the left-sided um, centre back. It's um, it, it can be a little bit tricky. So those guys made it very easy for me. Um, so I've got actually speaking to Craig Short on Friday, um, ironically enough. Um, yeah. So I'd be interested to hear what he had to say about the whole thing as well. But do you think that the signing of Henningberg was a, was a very key one early in that season? I think so. Yeah, 
I think Henning, um, um, experienced player, um, very good player, cerebral player as well. You know, he, he wasn't necessarily big and strong and physical like other centre backs, but he was um, very clever, read the game very well. Um, his positional play was excellent. So, um, for someone like me, it was great to play alongside him. And as I, and said, I knew him obviously from my time at United. So yeah. I mean, I was going to say, and he would have known you as well, so you would have trained together and played a few matches together, I'm sure. So that's probably a help for, for you as well. Let's talk about kind of going forward then, and it was a transition going forward. Jason Wilcox had left in the previous season, who was club captain, and he I spoke to him as well recently, and he said that he could feel Damien Duff was pushing him and pushing him, and it was a good time kind of for him to pass the mantle on to, to Duffer. And then there was David Dunn, Matt Janssen, Damien Johnson, um, we had Alan Marne as well, who was quite a good flair player, Keith Gillespie. Was that quite a good contrast then between those def- uh, experienced defenders and then the Tyros going forward? Yeah, I think it was a, it was a very, very, it was a very good squad. It was a very big squad when I first joined and it was just a case of managing that squad to get the best out of it and get the, get the chemistry right between the, you know, the, the key players that were going to start, I think. Um, and I think the manager did did a great job of that. Um, and um, if you if you, on paper if you look at that squad, they were a, there was a, it was a Premier League squad playing in the Championship. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a top Premier League squad, but it was certainly a Premier League squad. And thankfully, we got the chance to prove that. So, but you were the only player who played every game that season. I think I'm right in saying. Would you say that that was the best season of your career? You, you went all the way through the, the season without missing yeah, the game? Yeah, pro- probably was. Yeah, pro- probably was. Um, you know, I was injury-free, which is massive as a player. Um, and we had a pretty decent cup run, I think. I think we got pretty far in the FA Cup that year. Yeah, we did. Um, so you, you played... And the Championship was a tough division anyway. You know, we played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. And if you haven't got a cup run as well, it's um, there's, a, there's a lot of games, which is great because you're playing a lot more than you are training. You know, your training becomes recovery or preparation. You're doing very little um, other stuff in training, um, which uh, I, I, I seem to like as a player. You know, I enjoyed that. I, I, I wanted to be out there playing games. You, you were fit as well, match fit, um, ready. Um, so yeah, hundred percent was the best, uh, the best year year of my career. It, taking us back to the early part of that campaign, though, we lost four out of five in the league in September, sat in in mid table. Was there ever a concern around that time? Did you look around each other and knowing that the squad was as good as it was, did you ever look around each other and kind of say, you know, we need to be doing better than this at that time? Or do you not really in, remember uh, that? Yeah, I think that they'd been in that position before under Brian Kidd. Yeah. Um, and I think the manager had brought in different characters um, in different stages of their career. You mentioned all those players there. Um, the Duffs, the Duns, the Janssens, um, even myself. We were young, hungry, um, not used to losing, didn't want to lose. Um, and a few of the players who, who maybe were on a bit of a gravy train, you might want to say, mm. they were kind of slowly weeded out. Um, and um, 
maybe those people with a different agenda, um, things would have gone south, but they didn't, thankfully. And, you know, the rest is history and we got promotion and, and uh, you know, that's exactly the aim of the game at the start of the season. And we beat Burnley. So <laughs> we had those yeah, two... Absolutely. Those two East Langstorbys, I just want to touch on those. Um, we, the first one was at Turf Moor and we, we won that game 2-0. And then there was the 5-0 at Ewood as well. Going into yeah. the first of those, that was the first um, East Langshire Derby they'd been. It was the longest gap they'd ever been between an East Langshire Derby. Um, could you feel, did it feel different to you? I know you obviously you're used to big games and, and big things at Man United, but did this feel different to you going into an East Langshire Derby? Um, well, it's, listen, it's a big game in uh, any time, uh, you know, what, how, no matter how far, um, you know, how many league positions are between the, between the clubs, it's always going to be a big game. Um, but I, I think, like you said, it had been a long time and it had been a long time mainly because Burnley had been struggling as a club for so long. Yeah. So even, and Blackburn had dropped down into the championship, it almost felt like, um, Blackburn were at that stage in kind of development of the club. Even then, we were far superior. So we go into a game like that um, a lot more confident. I think I don't, I don't think we saw Burnley as rivals to us in any way, um, other than local derby rivals. And obviously, you want to beat them. But in terms of um, the, the league or anything like that, we, we certainly didn't see that. Um, I think they finished kind of mid-table, lower mid-table that season. Yeah. So, um, but um, yeah, huge game, and you obviously want to go into any derby game with the um, you know, the knowledge that the fans are desperate to win, and, and we were desperate to win, um, and we we certainly did it, Ewood, which was which was great. That was a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was great for everybody, all of us in the stands as well. And um, like you say, it's one of those that you because it had been so long. I remember I as a fan going into it, just hoping that we we didn't because we were the bigger team and we were the bigger club yeah. at the time. I know things have slightly changed now with Burnley's spell in the Premier League, um, but thankfully we assert you guys asserted your dom- your dominance early on in in both matches and you know showed the class between between us which was great which was great for us um but so thank you for that um great great time to be a black this was i, I mean i might as well come clean this was my favorite season to be a black rover supporter i was 15 turned 16 and um that season was just the, the absolute pinnacle for me when we got to that preston night then it was actually the penultimate game of the season We'd, we were very very close wasn't it between us and bolton um, yeah. Going for that second spot, Fulham were a fantastic team, and they'd beaten they'd beaten us home and away. Um, so it was it was down to who was going to get that second place. And Bolton were a very good and experienced and hard team as well. Um, what were you nervous as kind of the season was coming to a close? We had a nil nil draw with Wolves, and we had a couple of tricky away fixtures, which they brought in Al Berkovic, they brought in Marcus Bent to kind of help with that as well. Um, was there a feeling of nervousness? Was there a feeling of we're going to do this? It's just a matter of time. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I can remember feeling exhausted. Mm. Um, but you would be. I you was, played. You played every game. Yeah, I was tired then towards the, the end of the season there, and even um, the um, the Gillingham. Um, game, yeah. the, the last game of the season, I think it was. I was knackered in that game as well. You know, I think um, maybe 
celebrations after the Preston game, maybe. Yeah. Well, I've got a question lined up about that, so we'll be, we'll I'll ask you about that after the after the Preston one. But yeah, so you you were you were tired, and do you think that was a feeling that the rest of the squad shared as well? I think so. Yeah, it was a very edgy game. I can't remember where did Preston finish that season. Well, well, Preston was a nothing game for them, other than obviously a derby. I think but was it, was it a? I don't think they were. Um, oh, they were. They, yeah. Um, yeah. Preston had a good season, didn't they? Finally? Yeah. yeah. But, they, but were, they were. They, they finished four. The they finished was four. It was it? Was it? I think they were secure in the playoffs. Yeah, they game. were. They were secure in the playoffs. They finished fourth behind yeah. Bolton and us. Good, yeah. good season for Northwest, actually. Yeah. So I think um, it was. Uh, I think it was a bit of a strange game from that standpoint. But I don't know whether they rested a few, um, which I think is sensible to do if you're going into the playoffs. Because the playoffs haven't done it twice. Are tough. You know, they're very tough to to, to do as a player um, after a long season. So, um, yeah, it was maybe a little bit of nerves, but um, Matty scored the goal and uh, you know, won the Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely take that. Um, <laughs> Craig Short nodded it down and it, it bounced into Matty Anson and he obviously just nodded it in. And then, yeah. um, thankfully, we held on. I couldn't think of it being a massive hold on. I think they did have one chance at the end. John Macken, I think, had a good chance towards the end of the game, but... Um, yeah, thankfully we held on. And what, so go on then. What was the night like after after that? Was it just a massive relief and everyone just let their hair down? Yeah, and I was good. We were running to Blackburn. We stayed at the Duncan House that night as well. So it was um, it was a, a you know fantastic relief when you worked so hard for for really some of those lads had played in the Premier League for for. Blackburn and got relegated with Blackburn, so to get back in there was was great for them as well, you know. Yeah. Um, so it'd been it'd been almost two years worth of work for, for those guys, three years maybe, you know. So it's um, when you have celebrations like that, they're they're fantastic, you know. I, I was fortunate enough to have a few at United and to do that at Blackburn a couple of times. Also winning the cup as well was a special night as well. So um, we were we, we certainly let our hair down. And just on that side of things, did the young players at the club all kind of was everyone? You mentioned about Barnsley, how everyone was quite relaxed and got on with each other. Was that the same in this squad? Did you do you kind of stay in touch with them? I don't even probably not maybe, but was there a group of you young players that was the atmosphere really good between you? Yeah, I think I think that I think the squad was was a good squad. I think it was close. I think it was. There were those on the periphery, as there always is, who, who were maybe on their way out. Um, but the, the, the core group was very good. Um, it was, um, you know, you had, you had characters. Dunny was obviously a, a character. Um, uh, Gary Flickcroft obviously yeah. led the group led the group very well. You had senior pros like Shorty, Henning, Stig, um, obviously Brad in there as well. You know, it was it was a very mixed group but a, but a but a close group um you know john oh glad you had come through like damien johnson damien Dove, damien johnson um you know they um you know having come through it's i think it's even more special when you come through the the club to have success at the club that you you 
that you you started to last and came through. Um, so because they, they they kind of had a connection with the club that others don't have. Um, so I think it's more special for the for the, the young lads who have, have come through the system as well, um, yeah. and that they kind of provide. We did it at United as well to an extent that they provide kind of like a, a core group, um, and um, that is that is all about the club. Which I think is, you know, the, the kind of live and breathe it, and have the culture of the club running through their their veins because they've lived and breathed it literally since they left school. So that's always um, something really, really useful to have in a, in a team. You know, to have that core group of homebred talent. And that's the group, the the core group that took us then into the Premier League. Um, did you see that as your chance then to kind of prove yourself as a Premier League player? And then, you know, how so it's a difficult one because we brought in um, competition in the form of Lucas Neal. I got a question yeah. here from Glenn Entwistle. Did you feel a little bit hard done to that that signing was made or did you just see it as extra motivation? That's football. Yeah, I think I think you see it as dance football. You know, you, you can't, um, you can never rest on your laurels as a player. Um, you, um, um, you have to accept that, um, and that was fine. It wasn't like Lucas went in in front of me. I think I started the first games of the season. I got yeah. injured. Um, I don't think Lucas signed shortly after the season started. I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and um, and I got injured. I can't remember the game I got injured in, um, but um, then struggled to get back in because Lucas went in and did really well. You know, and that's that's always a tough thing as a, as a player. Um, you need to be good. You need to perform well at the right times. You need other people not to perform well at the right times. You know, Lucas went in, did well, and, and stayed in there for what for three years probably at Blackburn and he was he was yeah. there as a store for the club throughout all of those years mm-hmm. um, and did very well consistent performer so um, yeah you, you just have to accept that and 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 move on you know that's that's all you can do you try and you try and fight for your place and try and get in um, but once the managers kind of made a decision you, you know where you stand pretty soon and was Sunes always straight with you with that? Was he a good man manager in that way? Or did you just kind of get the sense of it and, and kind of went with that way? Um, no, yeah, I don't, I, listen, I don't know that Sunes was a particular good man manager. Um, he, he, he was a winner, wasn't he? That's, yeah. and he? And he wanted to win and he, he liked players to want to win. Um, all the time. Lucas was certainly that, very gritty, strong in the tackle um, player, um, maybe a little bit more physical than I was. Um, so that might be something to do with it. Maybe he wanted a bit more of that. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult to, you can't really tell. You, you're second guessing someone else's opinion. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's very, very difficult to do that. But all you can do as a player is get your head down, yeah. try and work. And uh, try and get your place back. That's 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 what I did. And did you did you always think we had enough to stay up in that group? We we only won six points through I think it was November, December, and January, um, losing ten games and only winning two. And we I think we found ourselves yeah. in the in the relegation zone at that point. But then, um, 
did you feel like we still had enough to stay up despite the, that wobble that we had? Um, yeah, I, listen, I thought um, I thought the squad was was more than good enough. It was a like I said, we weren't a, a, a Man United or an Arsenal um, who, were, who were dominating at, at that time, but um, we were we were certainly a very very good team. I think we drew with United early on in the season, didn't we? So yeah. in, we. We could compete with anybody, um, and um, we had a bit more depth as well with the signings that the gaffer made. You know, people like Two Guy, um, quality player um, coming in was you know that was a, that was a, a, a big help for us. Good experience as well with Sparky coming in, um, and then you add that to what we already had as well. Matty was performing really well as well so you know we, we, we had a lot of quality in that team um, so I, I, I didn't I didn't fear for a I didn't think we'd get relegated no, no. that's what you <laughs> that's what I was asking yeah I, I, did. didn't think, I didn't think we would even then even then I thought we'd have too much um, so Matt obviously as you say Matt was, was a sensation that season and kind of got himself to the fringe of the England squad. We we proved that we had the quality then on one particular day, which goes down in, as, again, as a great memory as a Rovers fan, the Worthington Cup final. Um, going into yeah. that, um, we'd we'd won the semi-finals against Sheffield Wednesday um, and then play, playing against Spurs. And, and I don't think many pundits and many kind of experts gave us a, a chance on that day. You were in the squad. Um, how does how did it feel um, within the squad on that day? Did you actually feel within yourselves that you had a very good chance of beating Spurs on that day? Well, we were underdogs. Um, but, yeah, there were, like I said before, we could have beaten, on our day, we, we were capable of beating anybody. Um, and, we, and we proved it there. Um, and uh, Matty was on fire. Um, obviously with Coley up there as well it's going to be a threat for, against anybody so um, yeah you, you always uh, we, you're always going to any cup final with a chance um, we, but we were on the docks but we were, we were confident quite confident does that I have to ask does that go down as a good day in your career even though you didn't you know start the game um, or is it a bit of a surreal feeling at the end of the game when we've won it and obviously elation throughout the the squad I asked Jason Wilcox about this because he was in the he'd been injured for both the promotion and the the title winning team and he was he said that he just didn't feel part of it was that the way that you felt or were you kind of still felt part of it I I still felt part of it because I played it was disappointing when I found I wasn't playing in the final because I played in every um I think I played in every game in the in the League Cup that season. Yeah. Um, and I was only left out in the final, so I was on the bench in the final. Um, so that was that was disappointing, you know, when, when I found out I wasn't playing. And how, a few days when did before. you find, so it's a few days before, and yeah. and did yeah, Sunes really. tell you straight? No, 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 no. You just name the team and you're not in it, kind of thing. Right. Um, so, and um, that was disappointing. But, by the time the final comes around, the the, the day itself kind of um, of uh, you know you you're there for something much bigger than yourself. Yeah. So the experience itself is um, you know you're there to help as a as a sub, and I've done that throughout the season when I was on the bench for in any competition, whether it's the Premier League or FA Cup or whatever. Um, you're always there to try and um, help the club 
much as you possibly can. And when you when you're sitting on the bench, that's what you're doing. You focus. You're focused on. Um, you know, if someone gets injured here, what am I doing? Am I coming on? Where am I coming on? Right back, left back, wherever. Um, what I've got to do a job. You know, and that was that was the focus. Um, so, but fortunately, it all went well, and we uh, came away with the with the trophy. Absolutely, what a great day. Um, that was maybe. You know, the, the start of us becoming again, uh, as you said before, we were still like, you know, that's two major trophies in quite quick succession, really, for a club the size of Blackburn Rovers. And I think we felt that we were coming on our way back to being a, a really big uh, factor in the Premier League. And, you know, we stayed in the Premier League for a long time and you were part of that as well until coming towards the, the end of your contract and, um, what was the the talks around? Did you did you know that you were going to be leaving at the end of that? And how did the move to? I think you went out on loan first of all, and then Le- was it Leicester you moved to permanently after that? And how did that kind of yeah. the end yeah. of your spell? I went, I went to Sheffield United again for um, for like the second half of the season, I think, um, and um, no, I enjoyed playing again because I wasn't playing a lot of Blackburn at the time. So to um, to go and play. Uh, in the team that was that was being successful at the time, got to the playoff final again. It's, it was kind of a mirror image of what I'd done um, for Barnsley, you know, when I was at United. So um, very similar kind of situation, um, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed playing there, and just wanted to play. Yeah. I wanted to play first team football, having played first team football really for you know two or three years by that point. There's no point as a 23 year old not playing you want to play um and um that's what i that's what i wanted to do so went on loan um organized a, a loan move um and then when leicester came in leicester had just been promoted to the premier league um you know i thought this is an opportunity to go and play again um and um yeah that's what i did and you you made a, a number of premier league appearances for leicester and then do you, is it here that the injuries start mounting up, or was that later in your career? You played a lot of times for Nottingham Forest. You actually played more for Forest um, league appearances than you did for for Blackburn, which was a surprise when I when I found that out. But I suppose I wasn't I wasn't looking at Forest as much as I have been uh, for us. Um, was that a really positive spell in your career, going for Forest and, and being first choice there? Um, yeah, I think anywhere where you go. I think if I look back on my career, I, I look back on most fondly in terms of playing obviously there's United coming through as a youngster but then my time at Blackburn the season we got promoted was fantastic for me my time my whole time at Blackburn was enjoyable I loved it there um and then I kind of went wondering with Leicester Leicester were going to get like say I played at Leicester but Leicester were were struggling they were going to get relegated Mm. and I kind of jumped ship from Leicester to Portsmouth Thinking that it would be better to be in the in the Premier League still with Portsmouth, but played very few times for Portsmouth. Um, and um, well, Harry Redknapp. Yeah, I was going to say, what was it like playing under the Harry Redknapp there for the short spell? Yeah, no, listen, it was it was great. I enjoyed it, but it, I only had I think I only played like three or four games or something like that at Portsmouth, and then the door kind of closed on me. So, and I never really got an opportunity to come in. Um, I think the following season I read that left as well and then we got uh, I think we went to Southampton 
um, and they got another manager in and then my time there was really over and I spent again a large part of my time on loan um, back up in the northwest of, of Preston yeah so that's that's kind of how my career went um, and I kind of look back philosophically on on the way things had, had gone um, and, and think that, that very often you know I fail to improve enough. I think I, if I'm critical of myself, I was a better player playing for Northampton Town, which was my last club in England, than I was playing for Manchester United. Um, but the, the proof was that the, the game had changed an awful lot since then. Um, and I never, I never developed at the same pace as the game developed. So accordingly, I didn't, I didn't grow as a player enough to, to stay in the same position. Um, so that's the way I look at myself and look at my career, that I didn't develop enough, you know, to be able to, to stay at the highest level. And do you... So I ended up being a very, a very good championship player and, and very average Premier League player. Well, what can I say to that? I I thought you were obviously a legend at Rovers, and that's why I was really keen to to speak to you today. And again, I thank you for that time there. I just wanted to touch on right that so you mentioned it right at the start of the podcast as well. You made a decision in 2010, I think it was, to go out to Gold Coast United in the A League. Yes. Um, do you class that as a very good decision? Um, and oh, how did how yeah. did that change your life? No, it was fantastic. Listen, listen, any time. That you can that you can go abroad and play, I think is is fantastic, and, and that you, we're seeing a lot more of it now with with young lads going on loan and going abroad to play. I think that is it's an amazing experience to, to go to, into another country um, and play the games. Totally different, totally different um, philosophy towards the game, um, totally different cultures, and it, it certainly broadens your horizons as a player broadens your horizons as a coach and as a person as well, you know. So it was um, it was a fantastic experience for me. I used to I used to sit on my we used to go training at six o'clock in the morning because it was so hot in um, in the Gold Coast in the summer. And uh, I'd be back, we'd be finished training, I'd be back at my house at nine thirty. I'd be having a cup of tea on the balcony, watching humpback whales migrate from Antarctica up to the Great Barrier Reef to breed and then back down again. I'm mm-hmm. looking at my wife thinking, well, it doesn't get much better than this. It's 9.30, I'm having a cup of tea, I've finished work for the day. Um, you know, I'm 32 years old. What am I? <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I, I tried, to, injuries had taken the toll a little bit at that point. My calf was, was, I had a niggling calf injury, the same injury that I had when I... Um, got injured initially when Lucas took my spot that Premier League season, that first Premier League season after we got promoted, the same injury that niggled. It was a very niggly injury that I had for the rest of my career. Um, and that at that point, um, that was happening a lot. So I got injured in Australia. I only played about 20-odd games or so for, for them during that season. So no, nobody else... Um, Nobody else would touch me after that. I would have loved to stay in Australia for another year or two. Um, but um, nobody wanted me. So I was, uh, do I go back to England and try and find something in um, League Two, like Northampton or Conference, um, like I'd been playing there, I had to play in before to get myself back and fit? 
And I just thought, no, there's no, there's, there's no point in doing that. So I, I, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine from Gold Coast had a connection in Italy, a, a soccer school, and I went there to coach for 12 months um, and then took the technical director's role at Everton America in Connecticut in 2013 and, and kind of gone on from there. And haven't, haven't looked back since, even though Donald Trump got the presidency in 2016. I'll not bring politics. I'm thankful that I got my um, got my visa and green card. Um, yeah, right. Before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's made things a little bit more difficult for, for people coming in from abroad now. Mm. Well, 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 I guess I should leave. Um, I should leave politics outside of the the 1875 podcast. Absolutely. But, um, I'm going to finish off then with a couple of questions that have been submitted to us. Um, thank you to, to these people who, who asked these questions. I'll start with Ashley Marsden's question. Um, he asks, who was the best defender you played alongside and who was the best technical player you played with? Ever in my career? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. If he means ever or, or a Blackburn. Um, I mean, obviously, Blackburn, obviously it's the same answer because uh, the best yeah. players played at Blackburn, so... Yeah, <laughs> I think, well, think Henning was definitely the best defender I played with at Blackburn. Yeah. Playing alongside Henningberg um, in that back four. Um, and then Ever, you know, I was lucky enough to play with, with Rio Ferdinand yeah. coming through England on 21s and things like that. Mm. Um, he's a fantastic, fantastic player. Um, but he's probably one of the best. And, and, and you've got. Um, Gary Pallister and people like that, Yaks Dam, that was lucky enough to play with. Um, it's a tough one. Um, yeah, I, listen. I, although he wasn't at the time, I think Rio, on his day, was a was a top top centre back, probably yeah. the best we've created for a long time in England. So I would have to say Rio. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Rio Ferdinand was just a Rolls Royce, wasn't he? And he was, was, was tough as nails as well, though, alongside the fact that he could play football. I remember watching him at Ewood for West Ham. He played in midfield that day, and he he was able to run the game from the base of midfield yeah. there as a teenager. And um, he was he was always destined for the top. And um, yeah, what a player! Um, best technical player. Obviously, you mentioned two guy coming in at the start of. Um, yeah. That season, yeah, um, he he must have transformed the way that we kind of played in midfield. Yeah, two guys. Uh, he was a fantastic player, wasn't he? You know, Perlo esque kind yeah. of player. Um, you know, a, a bit like Paul Scholes to that extent yes. as well. Um, but if I have to, if I have to pick one between two guys and Paul Scholes, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to pick Paul Scholes because you know he's he's the best player I've ever played with. Yeah. Period. So, and, and you talk about technique, um, his technique was phenomenal. You know, it, was, it was perfect in, in many ways, technically. I have to ask, as a coach now, do you, can, you keep, can you teach that kind of ability or, is, or do you believe that that kind of ability that Scholes and Two Guy had is just almost innate to people? There is no such thing as an eight. That's, mm. the, that's the thing about being a coach. I was hoping you'd say that because I, I, I can be developed, um, and that's that's the main thing that I try and preach to as many people as I can. You know that you're not you're not born with it. You've developed it. You've grown it. Um, so so yeah yeah yeah. You can definitely teach. And that you, if I look, I came back and worked with England under 18s um, three or four years ago. 
Um, Damari Gray and people like that were in the under-18 squad at the time, so that's how a few years ago it was now. Um, and I can remember um, turning to the coaches and saying, wow, these, these kids are so superior to my group of England under-18s, which was mm. Ferdinand's, um, Lampard's, you know, Carragher's, people like that, Heskey's. Um, so superior technically to how we were. Um, so I think the game has changed a lot and the, the, the coaching techniques and the, the coaching um, knowledge has improved so much that players are continually getting better. Um, and on that technical front in particular. I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people, a lot of the like kind of people in the stands will look at a player like Two Guy and we all know what he was like kind of off the pitch. We've heard the stories of him smoking and, and whatever and just, you know, rocking up to the to the pitch and playing sensationally well and just people thinking that that must just be natural. But I imagine that behind the scenes he would work he must have worked so hard at being able to play in that way for years and years and years. Yeah, well, maybe. You just don't know. Is it, is it hard work or is it just... Because people like like Two Guy and Scolzi and, um, you know, and, and, and don't, you know, your, um, you know, your Zabbies of the world, those kind of really tidy technical midfield players, um, they, they have an understanding, like a spatial awareness that's very, very special. And I, I don't know that it comes through... I think it comes through playing as a kid more yeah. than anything else. Um, and I'm not sure it comes through through training hard. Um, I think I think it's it's a, a game understanding and intelligence that is honed in, in training sessions, but I think is learned a lot earlier than that. Um, so it's it's interesting. So it's a completely diverged into a coaching podcast there. Um, what, rock, and, rock, rock and Run 85 asks um, an interesting question. I don't know why someone, a Rovers fan's asking this, but he wants to know what happened at Worcester City. Worcester City. So I was, um, I spent a whole year, virtually a whole year, injured with a, with a groin injury. Um, and um, I was out of contract and I was rehabbing at Notts County where my friend was the, was the manager. Um, and they had no reserve team. So I couldn't play any games. So towards the end of the rehab, um, I needed to play some games. So um, a mate of mine, Richard Dryden, was the manager of uh, Worcester City at the time. I said, Rich, can I come and, come, come and play a couple of games for you to get myself um, get myself fit, test this groin out? And he said, yeah, more than one. So I came in and um, played a couple of games for him. And then Dino, actually, from who I met, obviously, at Blackburn, um, he was the manager of Wrexham at the time. I said, John, what are you doing playing for Worcester City? Come and play for me if you want to get fit. So I went to um, Wrexham for a, for a period for the end of that season um, and um, got myself fit and then went, went back to got the deal back at um, Northampton, which ended up being my last club in England. So, yeah, that was, that was the, the catalyst for getting me back fit and playing again after a bit of an injury. There you go, Rock and Run 85. Hope you listen to that and now you know. Um, and we'll finish finish with this one from Mark Whittle. Um, was be, he wants to know was being at Rovers the best and kind of most successful time of your career? Yes, without a doubt. Yeah, definitely. I loved it. Um, it was a fantastic time for me. Um, you know, it was a, like I said, it was a great group of players. 
yeah, without without doubt for me, my some of my best experiences as a player were were at Forest and uh, were at Blackburn, sorry, and uh, and at Forest. Um, like I said, um, United as a kid, Blackburn and Forest is is where I have my fondest memories of as a player. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for the memories that you provided for us. And that, like I say, as I said earlier, that, that season that we got promoted and then the following season are golden times for me as a Blackburn Rovers supporter. And I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this will agree with that as well. Um, you know, get get yourself back to uh, a wonder, I'm sure it was a wonderful day in the States. And um, again, again, you know, thank you so much for your time um, with us today. No problem, no problem at all. So alluring, a boy, so interest, a song, so inviting, you start to advance.